This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is the evening edition with Sharmila and Lynn. Tonight, it's the very first episode of our brand new series, BFM's Clean Cut, where we invite comedians to come to the station and perform a set. Now, the idea behind the set was to challenge the comedians to perform without risking our license or their reputation. So this is going to be happening on the last Friday of every month. And what you're going to hear is a short interview followed by the set that a comedian performed live in the BFM offices. So this was recorded a couple of weeks ago now and the first brave soul to agree to this uh, was comedian, content creator and business person Ming Yi. Our producer Alia Zafri chatted with him ahead of the set. So, what was your stand-up journey like? What made you decide to pursue this? Oh my gosh. Uh, thanks for having me. I think the first thing was I, I've... Stand-up comedy has always been something I've wanted to do, even when I was younger. I just never had the guts to do it. Um, I think that translated to a lot of the early videos that we made on YouTube on the Ming thing back in like 2010s, right? Um, and for me, what I wanted to do was at some stage in life when I got older, I did want to kind of step into the world of stand-up. Um, but I think what really pushed me over the, the edge for this one was two friends in particular. One was Herzy from Singapore, a very good friend of mine, and he forced me to do a set one day when he was down in KL and another um, comedian in India Kenny Sebastian uh, he also was he kept encouraging me to do it and so you know I was thinking you know as I turned 30 let's just do it and so yeah that was me last year uh, jumping in to do my first open mic and then it's just been a snowball since So how would you describe your brand of comedy? Um, I'm definitely a storyteller by nature I think I I put together observations from everyday life and I think that's probably the most fun part about a stand-up is that it's never really kind of like pushing jokes it's always just kind of drawing attention to the different things in life that we don't usually pay attention to um, but I also realize that maybe my brand of uh, or recipe in, in, in brewing these sort of jokes and, and, and stories um, is to always give you sort of an expectation of where I'm heading to but then flip it at the end and then give you something else um, because that's I feel like that's the most fun types of storytelling, the ones that are slightly unpredictable. Yeah. What did you feel about being asked to come on to BFM to do a show, to do a comedy show that's not offensive? Yeah, this one's this one was interesting because I think by nature in itself, a lot of my jokes aren't of the explicit kind. I, I keep things quite clean. I do, I, of course, you know, I, I don't cuss like, and do profanities too much as well. But of course, you know, there are fun topics to pick at, taboo topics, you know, like uh, politics or funny things that are happening around uh, Malaysia and the world. Um, for me, I think because of the recent situation and the landscape, you're seeing that comics are being watched very closely, uh, to put that in a simple term. I feel people sometimes either they get a joke really well or they just can't take the joke at all. And that's the fine line that I've got to thread nowadays as well. Uh, and being on this sort of like era of social wokeness and cancel culture, um, I think where I sit is pretty all right because I don't do things that are too offensive. Um, so for me, I think I just wanted to make sure that I didn't offend anybody or I didn't go over the, the line and kind of like, you know, step on people's toes. Um, but yeah, hopefully that's not the case as well with the... Yeah, with, with what I do. So that's where we're at. Mm. How do you feel the crowd, um, you know, on social media? Do you think that it differs from, say, doing a performance in front of a live audience? Oh, that's such a great question. I love that. Um, it's completely different. 
um, I think the content that I make and put up on socials is very, um, it has to be fast and short and there's not a lot of like space for uh, building this world or for that story in particular because attention spans are like what, you know, a minute max, five seconds tops. Um, and for me, I think what I've enjoyed and discovered about stand-up comedy is that when people come for the show, when people are there to listen, they are actually really invested and they give you that space to grow uh, the story in the world. And I think that's that's beautiful because the, the art of conversations has been become so one way with social media that you forget that sometimes a conversation is interactions between two people uh, and it's not just the words it's the body language it's the interactions between you know the eyes and there's the this is the entire presence and being there uh, and so to me that's one of the greatest joys I felt from um, stand up being in person interacting with people yeah uh, could you share us? Could you share to me an experience you had uh, performing in front of uh, a crowd uh, maybe one of your best ones yeah what was the feeling like? What did you Oof. feel was the, macam, you know, the connection that you say yeah, you yeah. have with the crowd? What yeah. was it like? Uh, I think, so this was earlier in June. Uh, if I, Was it June? I can't remember. I think it was in June. We did the final show at the Joke Factory in Publica. So the Joke Factory is owned by uh, the, the, the great legend Harif Iskandar. And he had us come on to do a show. Uh, so my friend and I, Harvin Skin, we were on and we did a show that sold out uh, way past capacity. and It was packed so packed to a point that there was an overflow into the next shop, right? And that was that was a very big moment for me. And I think one of my favorite things about that night was that people came to listen to stories. People came to uh, watch. Uh, funny things happen on stage. And we did start off with a disclaimer that, hey, you know, this is all jokes, you know, please don't take offense and stuff like that. And people really pressed in, like they listened and Sid Sadiq was there as well um, with his, with his uh, team. And it was just a night of laughs and celebrating um, the things that make us fundamentally Malaysian. And I think that for me is like, that was such a memorable night. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So do you have any, you know, final final words to leave us with? Final thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, final words. Guys, get out there. And if you've never been to a stand-up show, because for myself, I've only been to a stand-up show later, like when I was past my mid-20s. If you guys have never been to a stand-up show, I strongly encourage you jump out and spend a night and an evening with your friends at a stand-up show because it's, it's, it's good fun. It's, it's, it's organic, it's real, it's raw and I feel like that's, that's, a, that's a side of entertainment that we're not usually exposed to. Uh, and so that's, that's something that I personally advocate. I, you can follow me on uh, Instagram. Uh, I'm at Mingasaur. So that's a Ming with an A-S-A-U-R. Uh, I do a bunch of weird stuff there and content and stories. And yeah, just, I've got shows coming up. So hopefully people make it out for that one. That was an interview that our producer, Alia Zafri, conducted with Mingui, a comedian and content creator. After the break, you'll be hearing the set that he performed live in front of BFMers. You're listening to BFM's Clean Cut, BFM 89.9. Bring forth Moolah, BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're listening to Clean Cut, our brand new monthly comedy segment where we invite a comedian to come and perform a clean but funny set in our offices, record it and then play it here for you. So earlier, uh, you may have heard our producer Alia speaking with this month's volunteers tribute, Ming Yu, uh, and now here's the set that he performed. This might get a bit loud, so sorry if you're in front of the speakers. Hey guys, my name is Ming, thank you so much for having me this afternoon, it's, it's a wild time. just want to say... You guys look good. Uh, turn to your neighbor and let them know for a Wednesday, you guys are looking quite fly. Just let them know. Let them know. They need the encouragement. 
right? You don't want to get to Friday and then look in the mirror and be like, no one told me I have no hair coming out of my eyes, you know? That's not the situation you want to be in. Thank you so much, BFM, for having me. It's, it's special t- for me to be invading your town hall. I don't usually see this many smiles at my own town halls. Usually people look at me, they're like, oh, it's got bad news again. Last month, we had to let some people go. It was rough, man. It was rough. I, I, I think that town halls are great, especially if you can start with a comedy set. It's the sandwich method. I don't know if you guys realized it yet. We start with smiles. I'm not going to be here for the announcement later. Probably four of you are going to be let go. And then Jason Leong is probably going to come in to close up the show. I don't know, man. Sandwich method works. I think it's great. Um, I was talking to uh, Alia over the weekend. She was so nice to get me on. She, she was like t- asking me, Ming, can you, can you make it? And I was like, oh my God, BFM. Uh, yes, I love. Uh, yes. And so I was asking her tons of questions. I was flooding her with text. She was like, thank you for your flood of text. I have a lot of questions because we were just talking about it in the room just now. And you guys know comics right now, under scrutiny, man, people have their eyes trailed on anyone who does something remotely stand up. Our good friend, Jocelyn, across the pond. I love her. And then, you know, we've got a bunch of other comedians here and there as well under fire. So I didn't want to do something that was too offensive. By nature, I don't think I'm an offensive person. That's not for me to choose. Yeah, I don't know, man. So I was asking Ali, you know, what, what are the things I can and can't say? And she's like, um, uh, Ming, um, that's my Ali impression. Um, maybe like, you know, safe things can. Uh. I'm like, I can do safe things. I can do safe things. You know, I grew up in a Christian home, you know, so I know things I can't say, right? My mom beats me anyway. So I asked her, okay, I'll stay away from like, you know, the, the racial stuff and the politics, right? But what words can I not say? Oh, okay. Uh, Ming, maybe you tell me what you want to say. I was like, oh, that's a fun one. So I was like, okay, I, I don't usually cuss. I don't say bad words, but can I say like words that people don't expect? Uh, like what, huh? Like, uh, like, <laughs> then she's like, I think can, but let me go and check. She, she comes back to me like, like an hour later. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, um, we've checked. I don't think you can use that word. So it's like, oh man, all right, you done, dir- done dirty me, man. I'm so scared. So now I said it once already. I'll try not to say it too many times. Uh, sorry, HR. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at today. So I feel like now would be a good time to tell you guys a bit more about myself. I am a Chinese boy, you know. That's as Chinese as it gets, man. I grew up in Malaysia. I went to a government school, right? Uh, across, across the road, actually. And I think that the government school system, as broken as people think it is, is actually really good because it's the trial of fire. You really come out a different person. I realized in, 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 in government school that I actually really dislike Chinese people. This is weird. This is really weird. I grew up in a government school and I rest all my friends for the first six years which is Malay boys and Indian boys. And I was like, why do I not Chinese, like Chinese people? Then I realized, oh, makes sense. In a minority group, which is Chinese, there's a subset of people who can't speak Chinese. I am where it intersects. I cannot speak Chinese. I'm the banana, right? Uh, how many bananas in this room? Can I just see some hands? Oh, we're not alone. I'm happy to see you guys. It's painful, right? Like the scrutiny you get from like the uh, aunties and uncles. Wow. They look at you, uh, like you bring shame to the family over Chinese New Year, you know. The only word we have is Konghe Choi. And then, ah, some more? Ang Bao, yeah? It's difficult. They look at you and they're like, oh, this one come again, right? It's difficult because I, I, I go to the coffee shop across the road, OK Restaurant, or Best Chicken Rice, right? I got to practice what I'm about to say to him. OK. Can I have a chicken rice, please? He's like, wow. Uh, 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 
thank you. I just walk away. I don't know how to deal with that. Um, <laughs> it's difficult because I, I just didn't like hanging out with Chinese kids. And then I realized, right, actually, uh, the abuse that we all have, right, it's shared across all, all races, all people. Um, one raya, I was at a friend's open house. Um, and these, these Datok Datin rich level, huh? their living room got two TVs, you know. Why? How you watch two things at the same time? How you hear? You're reading subs, and okay, I understand, okay? So we were in the living room, a bunch of boys, we were all sitting there, and his mom from upstairs came down to the banister on the staircase. And she was angry, she was pissed. She came down shouting, Subhanallah! Where are you, stupid boy? And I was like, oh my lord, she's angry. I don't know what Haikal did, but he was in trouble, man. I looked around the room and I realized that were very different reactions happening all at the same time. And this was when I was like, damn, Malaysia, you crazy. When auntie came down the stairs and she shouted, stupid boy, where are you? The first thing I realized were the Chinese kids. You know, you know what they did? Uh? Auntie's over here, right? Y'all, stupid boy, where are you? All the Chinese kids in the room looked in the opposite direction of auntie calling stupid boy. So they look here, you know. <laughs> auntie calling here, they all purposely look away. And I was like, damn. What's going on with the Chinese kids? And then I realized, oh, they work too hard. Chinese kids go to tuition after tuition after tuition. The only person who should be calling them stupid is their own parents. So obviously, they have to look in the opposite direction. Then I realized my Malay brothers, what was happening? She came down. The Chinese kids look away, right? All my Malay boys look at her, you know. They all look at the voice and like, yes, me. Uh. It's almost as if they were, you know, I identify as stupid. You know? What's going on there? I was like, what level of abuse are they receiving at home on the daily that they, uh, they just associate themselves being stupid? Then I realized Bahasa is such a beautiful language. You can call someone stupid without calling them stupid. Kuali. Pinggan. You know, you have so many different things. A bottle sambal. You know, what does that even mean? But you know it's bad, you know. And I was like, that's crazy. There's a Chinese boy looking away, the Malay kids looking at, but the ones that really broke my heart that day, Tiban, the Indian boy. I don't know what was going on with him. He was struggling. We were from a, we were from a kampong school, right? And I heard when all that was happening, Tiban asked Achong, eh, hey, uh, boy, boy to Aradaka. He wasn't sure. I'm so sorry I lost it second time already. I'm so sorry. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. But then that made me realize that actually we all just have a shared past of abuse and we're just doing the best we can, man. So if you guys have had a, a rough childhood, hey, props to you guys. Props to you guys. I want to shift gears here a little bit and talk about love uh, just as the time's ending. I think as difficult as it is with all these scars from our past, it's really hard to find love today. How many of you guys are in love? Can I see some hands? This is a lonely ass group, man. Okay, how many of you guys have been in love? Yeah, okay. All right. Some of you guys still searching. All the best, guys. Social media has made it so easy to find love and at the same time, so darn difficult. The paradox is crazy, right? All you have based off is a write-up is purely bull and a picture from 2005. That's all you have on Tinder profiles, right? When you see the write-up, of course, they're telling you the best things about themselves, right? When you ask the fruit seller, the apple sweet, uh, what uncle going to say? Sweet. Every single social media profile is the same thing. It's the fruit seller, right? And that's why I think it's scary. And, uh, you know, if any Chinese boys in the room who are single, if you guys want to go after Chinese girls, right, I'm going to give you guys some hints. I think it's important to give you guys some tips before I leave, right? Uh, Asian girls at large love to be told that they're mixed. This is, uh, this, is, uh, this, is, this, is, this is fact, all right? Let me break that down for you guys. I, I think, I think that the problem here is converting dates 
into marriage. That's where I'm at right now. So people are like, you know, they're looking at, oh, now I have a, I have a pair, I have a date. It's locked in. You go for the first date, you flip and fail, and then you start from ground zero again. I want to help you get here to her hand in marriage. All right? This is where we're going to go. Right? So the first thing you got to do is you got to let her know that you think she's beautiful. And then that's how you start. I think you look a bit mixed. Oh. <laughs> moist. That's where we're at. This is moist. The cake is moist, right? And it's, it's, it's wild because if you think about it, right, this girl could be from Puchong, but she is spending 500 bucks on circle DNA testing to just hopefully find out that up the ladder, she's a bit Japanese or Korean or German, you know. She'll spend the money. Um, uh, yeah, oh, this test, I'll send my saliva to this place and then I'll find out if I'm... You're not. You're 100% Puchong, okay? You can't even spell DNA. And there's three letters, guys, okay? So that's the struggles, right? But they love to be told that. So imagine if you're sitting down at a restaurant, you see the girl come in, you ask her, I'm going to ask you, actually, you, you got a bit mixer. You're so smart. Oh, um, okay, okay. You guess how I mix how I mix how, mix how. You know, <laughs> you give her you give her the standard. And you look at her you're like oh, I feel like you're half Chinese. And it's like okay, and then the other half is what? Oh, you look like mixed like half Chinese half. You gotta drop it. You gotta change up the expectations. Half Chinese half, angel. Oh, it's not the whole romance, honey. I can't speak Chinese, so this is the best Chinese I've got already, guys. You gotta get her that she's ready. She's texting her mom, I'm ready to get married. This is it. This I found the guy, right? But you can't leave her high and dry like that. You gotta go the extra mile. Sometimes guys use pickup lines like this, right? They don't know how to pick up the next part of it. They say stuff like this, right? Then the girl said, Oh, you're so smart. Can you tell me more about me? And the guy just smiles. Thank you for dinner. He just exits, you know. That's not what we want. You got to hit them with the one-two combo. And I think what, that there's no better way than, than really getting love on the express train than some poetry. So this way you really seal the deal, right? You tell her, hey, you know, just now I saw you come in the restaurant. You were so beautiful. I wrote you a poem. And she's like, oh, what a tian. It's in the William Shakespeare, Nani. William Shakespeare, you know this girl is A class in English school, in English class, man. So she sits down, you look at her and you're like, I wrote a, a poem, but then you realize that she might not actually understand the English. You gotta flip it back to our Basa Kabangsan. Actually, it wasn't a poem, uh, I wrote you a pantun. Oh, from William Shakespeare, now A Samat Said. You are ready, you are ready, it's locked and loaded, man. She looks at you, okay, la, I can hear, la, I can hear your poem. La. Pantun, 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 sorry, sorry. Okay, how is, how is your pantun? Okay, you look at her in the eyes, you lock eyes with her. Diam, diam, kambing, membebe. Wow, suddenly got livestock. Oh. Diam, diam, kambing, membebe. Is it okay if I see your... I'm so sorry, Alia, that was strike three. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for having me. My name is Ming. You guys have been incredible. That was Ming Yu, a comedian and content creator, and the live set that he performed in our offices a couple of weeks ago. Let us know who else would you like to hear from in this segment? Which comedians do you find funny? You can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. You've been listening to Clean Cut, BFM 89.9. 
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.